Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. different. We bring, we bring into the body differing gifts, different talents, different callings, different purposes, different ministries. I know there may be some similarities here and there, and we work together on those, but you know what? Again, as we get into 12, and I don't want to talk about it all just in the entry, but again, this whole idea of the necessity of diversity, and yet in the midst of that diversity, there also needs to be a unity within that diversity. God has uniquely created all people with various gifts that can support the work of God in this world. Believers are not all the same, and this is certainly not God's intention in Scripture or in our experience today. You may feel out of place, but God has designed you to contribute to His creation. In today's message, Pastor David states that the diversity of the body of Christ is necessary and unity amidst that diversity is vital. That unity can only exist by the Spirit of God within us. Now here's Pastor David with part one of today's message entitled, Unity in the Midst of Diversity. things that we've seen and we've spoken about almost ad nauseum as we've gone through 1 Corinthians, which is where we're at on uh, Wednesday evening, 1 Corinthians, is this whole idea of uh, this pride, uh, this pride within them, the pride that brought division, the pride that brings separation. And again, pride just seems to be an offspring of things like prejudice, of, of snobbery, of uh, feeling of superiority over one another. And for the Corinthians, there was not only this social pride that was going on, but there was also this spiritual pride that was happening. And again, the spiritual pride went uh, full-blown through the whole church there in Corinth, and it was dividing the church, and it was actually attacking the very diverse of the church. There was great diversity within the body of Christ within Corinth, but yet because of the pride, spiritual pride as well as social pride, it was being divided along these diverse lines. And again, God, I believe, brings within the body, local body as well as the whole body of Christ, a diversity. And we're going to be looking at this tonight as we start looking in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians and over the next several weeks be speaking about the gifts of the Spirit, why they're there, what they're used for, their purposes, their intents, their misuse, their misdirection in some cases. But why does God have all these things within the body? I believe that it's because he works within the diversity of each other, of all of us together. Uh, someone told me years ago, you know, if, if we were each the same, one of us would be unnecessary. 
So uh, we're, we're different. We bring, we bring into the body differing gifts, different talents, different callings, different purposes, different ministries. And oh, there may be some similarities here and there, and we work together on those. But you know what? Again, as we get into 12, and I don't want to talk about it all just in the entry, but again, this whole idea of the, ne- the necessity of diversity. And yet, in the midst of that diversity, there also needs to be a unity within that diversity. All of that has to come together. So as Paul gets into this next section, we're going to actually be looking at kind of a a whole block of uh, chapters together. Chapter 12, 13, and 14 kind of all go together. They're all dealing with the spiritual gifts. They all come together within these chapters. We're going to look at, again, the importance of that unity in the midst of diversity. We're going to look at the strength we find in each other's gifts. We're going to look at the importance of that agape kind of love, that that self-sacrificing, that uh, looking out for others type of love, the importance of agape love in every aspect of our lives as well as in the ministry. And we're going to be looking also at the problems that we can have as a church body. How many of you understand that church bodies can have problems on occasion, once or twice along the years? Okay, so we're going we're gonna to look at that. We're going to deal with each other in that spiritual realm. We're going to come together as we look at problems, even as we come together in times of worship. Now, As I said, the discussion of the spiritual gifts, that's the main focus of this section of Scripture. So we're going to be spending some time in discussion, in definition, and in the proper exercise of these spiritual gifts. Now, what I don't want to happen is for this to be just some kind of an intellectual exercise that we go through these gifts and say, yes, 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 this is that, this is that, and oh, that's wonderful, and that's marvelous. What I want us to be doing as we look through this section of Scripture is saying, Lord, what are you speaking in my life? Where am I at in the midst of that? I know in the next-gen group, uh, you guys did a spiritual gifts uh, discernment deal, and probably a lot of good stuff was, uh, was taken and gleaned from that. And so we're going to be looking at some of these things. What are these gifts there for? Why are they there? What about the use and the misuse of the exercise of these gifts? We see the same issues today as we saw back in the time of Corinth. Again, the problems. Today, we have churches that deny that some of the gifts are there while they accept others. And again, there's a lot of issues that come up with that. We're going to take the time to study uh, and to dig a little bit deeper into the biblical direction. Not only the biblical direction, but also the biblical correction of the use of spiritual gifts. And some of you, I know, you, you, you've come from church traditions that they either shied away or they flat out banned some of the biblical usages of the gifts. And while others of you, you've come from traditions that exaggerated and, and misused the gifts in ways that they, they were really never intended to be used. Now, hopefully, as we go through this, and I'm not going to try and rush through this, uh, we've, we've been doing clipping along the last 
few weeks, uh, about a uh, chapter a week as we've come together. Well, we're going we're gonna to slow it down a little bit. We're going to gear it down uh, because I don't want to rush through these things. I don't want to rush through because I, I believe there is so much misunderstanding within the church body today that we really do need to take the time, hopefully to get a clear biblical understanding, a balanced understanding of both the gifts and their proper usage. I don't want us to be found ignorant about these things, okay? And that's exactly where Paul starts in chapter 12, 1 Corinthians, beginning in verse 1. He writes, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant. You know, uh, you know that you were Gentiles carried away by these dumb idols, however you were led. Some people look at this and they say, well, now concerning spiritual gifts, that the word gifts actually isn't in there, and actually Paul is casting a much wider net. He's saying, in essence, now concerning uh, spiritual things or things spiritual. And yet when we look at these next three verses, 12, 13, and 14, he really does zero in on the gifts, and he really does zero in on on the application of the gifts. So I have no problem in taking, again, that they've placed that word gifts within our Bibles to help us understand what he's saying concerning spiritual gifts. And then he says, I don't want you to be ignorant. Some of the questions that we're going to be looking at are some of the statements that Paul makes here. It seems to be things that perhaps came from a previous letter of his either to the church or simply he had heard how things were going in the fellowship. We know that from the context of chapters 12, 13, and 14 that Paul was very aware of what was taking place during the worship times there at uh, First Church of Corinth. He, he knew what was happening there, and that's one of the reasons why he's zeroing in on what is happening and to bring in some correction as a good shepherd. He wants to make sure that they're aware of the dangers as well as the blessings, the dangers from misuse and the blessings from the right use of spiritual gifts. Now, Paul focuses in here, uh, it would seem to be on the Gentile believers, at least at this point. Now, we know in Corinth, Again, the history of Corinth shows us that probably by the time that Paul was writing this letter, although as Jews and Gentiles within this church, at the beginning, the Jews seem to have been uh, probably the, the beginning converts to the church there in Corinth. But then there was some persecution, there was, a, there was a removal of Jews from the area, either by choice or by forced removal. The Gentiles stayed in Corinth, the church grew under Gentile leadership for a while, and now more Jews are coming back in. We just know that historically, it's not biblically, but we do see that that change has been taking place. So if you have a Gentile majority in this church, that kind of helps to see that, that Paul is writing, hey, you Gentiles that are there, you had been led by these, these idols, these dumb idols. We'll look at that in a moment. So he brings that again. He draws attention to their former lives. He draws attention to their ways of, of acting and following after these pagan practices. And I don't think that you and I can really understand the depth of the, the weirdness of the pagan practices. I saw a video today 
Uh, I don't know, or not today, uh, this week. Uh, I don't know how old the video is, but it was a community celebration of an opening of a tunnel in Switzerland for the trains that came through. They had dug through this uh, mountain for years, and they finally got the train open. They had this big celebration. The big celebration was a choreographed presentation that was absolutely demonic. There was like no way that you could look at that and say that somehow along the way that, that, that it wasn't demonic. Now, some say, well, what they were doing is they were celebrating an old legend about that mountain that actually Lucifer was in that mountain. And the story goes is that Lucifer had control of that mountain and he was going to give the people the ability to be able to pass through that mountain. But the first one to pass through, he was going to take for himself and the people kind of outwised uh, Lucifer and they sent a goat ahead of themselves. And so Lucifer got the goat. and, And so In the presentation of this, you've got Lucifer there. You've got this goat thing. You've got these men and women that are dead. I mean, it was absolutely bizarre. And that's just a portion of some of the pagan worship that goes on around the world. The stuff that was going on in Corinth. We've talked about the pagan practices. And these guys now, they'd gotten saved and they came into the church. And so this was a past experience. And Paul says, hey, you were led this way by those idols. But you need to stop that. You need to understand now what it means to be led by the Spirit rather than being led by these idols. Within that pagan culture, there were all kinds of imitations of of supernatural powers. The powers were said to have come from these pagan gods. They They were imitations, actually, of what the Spirit of the one and true God presented in making himself known. So there was a lot of things, that, the similarities that they could pull from that. In the Old Testament, we saw the same kind of a thing, if you remember, there in the opening passages of Exodus. Remember when Moses came to Pharaoh and God had given Moses a couple, again, of miracles to present to Pharaoh to show Pharaoh that, no, God was calling him and God was leading him. And if you remember the events, the, the magicians, the sorcerers of Pharaoh They started copying these things that Moses was doing. So again, an imitation of what the Spirit of God. Now, if you know, again, the the Scriptures there, that again, the Spirit of God through Moses overpowered what these magicians, these sorcerers of Pharaoh were doing because, again, God's power is so supreme over any kind of a pagan or demonic thing. Well, at the same time, we look here at these imitations that were all around. And Paul tells these Gentile believers, you used to be led by these dumb idols. Now, the the Greek word there is aphonos, aphonos, voiceless, uh, mute is actually, by implication, it means meaningless. I mean, we look at the word dumb today and we think, well, they just don't have any brains, you know, they're ignorant. But it wasn't too long ago, even in our culture, we would speak about someone who might be deaf and dumb. A bad, bad word for it compared to what we think of today. But dumb was that they could not speak. They were mute. And this is what Paul is saying. He's not so much saying, hey, they're ignorant idols. He's saying they're voiceless idols. 
And again, all we have to do is look at the scripture again. Idols that are carved by man, they have eyes, but they can't see. They have mouths, but they can't speak. They have to be carried around again by the owner of them. Why? Because these idols were nothing. And so as Paul is is speaking here, he reminds them that they were carried away by all sorts of things that were going on that were happening, but it was definitely not in the ways of God. And then he begins to show them the truth there in verse 3. Verse 3, he says, Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. He, He wants them to understand that someone led by the Spirit of God is going to be subject to the Spirit of God and not to the spirit of this world. If I'm truly being led by the spirit of God, then the spirit of this world is not gonna have control of me. However, the opposite is true. If we're led by the spirit of this world, we're not gonna bring honor and glory to Christ in any way. If somebody's led by the spirit of God, then Jesus is gonna be honored, he's gonna be glorified, he's gonna be exalted in their lives and in their speech and in the same way. If they're led by the spirit of the world, they're not gonna be bringing honor, they're not gonna be bringing glory to Jesus. Oh, they may mouth a word now and then. You know, we look at this and it says, no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Well, you need to understand, he's not saying just, mouthing that word. He's speaking again about their lives being a demonstration of that, much more than just mouthing the word. He's speaking about that consistent witness of their lives. In this case, for those that are led by the spirit of the world, the consistent witness of their lives just continues to demonstrate that they were not being led by the spirit of God. So now Paul moves right into this explanation of the ministry of the of spiritual gifts. And the first thing that he wants the Corinthians to understand is that even within spiritual gifts, the diversity of all of these gifts, there has to be unity. There has to be unity. And this seems to be, again, this ongoing thing that Paul is hitting over and over and over again throughout 1 Corinthians. And every time we look at this, we need to be reminded, man, what a great division that place had to be. If Paul has to keep hammering it over and over and in every area and every direction of his teaching, he's saying, oh, and by the way, you guys need to get together. Oh, and by the way, you need to get out of your little schisms and, 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 and cliques. And oh, by the way, you're all part of one body. And oh, by the way, you're not separate. And he's going on and on and on. Do you think he's trying to tell him something? I think so. Look at what he says in verse four. He says, there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversity of activities, but is the same God who works all in all. Now, some might say it's just much ado about all this phrasing that that Paul uses. 
they make a, a, a separation, they make a division. They say, well, as he says there, the gifts are by the Spirit. The ministries are by the Lord, but the activities are by God. And they separate them out into three different functions like that. They declare that some of it is the work of the Holy Spirit. Some of it is a work of Jesus Christ. Still others of it, it's a work of God the Father. But I believe that they're making much ado about nothing in this. I think they're missing the whole point. I believe that what Paul is telling them is that even within the diversity of gifts, the differences of ministries, and the diversity of activities that are found within the body of Christ here in this earth, we all move under the power of the same Holy Spirit. We're all completed for the glory of the same Lord. Each one is being worked out by the same God who works all in all. Paul wanted to make certain that his church here, which was already so divided, didn't try to build three different tents. Says, hey, this is the Spirit's work. Oh, this is the work of Jesus. Oh, this is the work of God the Father. No, they're all working together. And it's the same Holy Spirit. It's the same Jesus. It's the same God the Father, all working together. He doesn't want them to be building more division. He's trying to bring them again into unity. Now, if you continue on in the context of this passage, you're going to see Paul focusing in on the work of the Holy Spirit through all of this. We see that. We understand that. Look in verse 7. Real quick, we're just going to jump through a couple of things. In verse 7, he speaks about the manifestation of the Spirit. In verse 8, he speaks about words of wisdom through the Spirit. In verse 8, he speaks of word of knowledge through the same Spirit. In verse 9, he speaks about faith by the same Spirit. Still in verse 9, healings by the same Spirit. And verse 11, one and the same Spirit works all these things. It's not a division here. This This is the work of God within our lives. And please don't come in and say, well, yeah, all of those are the work of the Holy Spirit, but elsewhere in Scripture, well, this says that these are the gifts of Christ to the church, and over here, these are the gifts of God. Are are you dividing God up? Are you slicing and dicing God into different categories? No, he's all working here through this. And I don't believe at all that Paul is separating one is the gifts of the Holy Spirit, one is the gifts of Christ, one is the gifts of God the Father. But again, all of them working together. Truly, it's a part of the ministry of the Holy Spirit to the believers. And yet the Holy Spirit never acts in and of himself. We understand that. He acts in accordance with the will of God the Father for the glory and the magnification of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And according to Jesus' own words in, in John 14, the Holy Spirit was sent by God the Father in the name of Jesus. As a matter of fact, we see it very clearly, this whole idea of submission of the Holy Spirit to Christ. Jesus tells the disciples in John chapter 16, he says, however, when he, the Holy Spirit, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of his own authority. He's not doing his own thing here. But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, Jesus says. The Holy Spirit will glorify him, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. 
Don't get the Trinity of God out of balance. They work together in harmony. Don't get him out of balance in your interpretation of the word. The gifts come from the Father. They're given by the Holy Spirit to glorify the Son and equip the bride. They all work together that way. You cannot separate them and really do justice to the Word of God as a whole. As we conclude our time here today on The Open Word, we'd like to thank you for listening. We hope that the words Pastor David has shared from the book of 1 Corinthians have touched your life and that you're eager to dive into a deeper relationship with Jesus. We'd like to invite you to join us again on The Open Word, but you don't have to wait to hear more messages from the Word of God. With details on how you can listen online, here's Pastor David. Hey, thanks, Chris. The Open Word has an archive of previous messages ready to be listened to, downloaded, and shared at theopenword.com. Simply click on the teachings link at the top of the page. You can also take the open word with you on the go by subscribing to our podcasts. This can be done through our website or by searching the open word on iTunes. By subscribing, you'll have sound biblical-based teachings with you anytime and anywhere. Thanks, Pastor David. While you're at theopenword.com, be sure to click on about for information about the ministry of the open word and more about Pastor David. There's also a link to Pastor David's blog, another great resource that looks deeper into what the Bible is teaching us. That website again is theopenword.com. That's all the time we have for today here on The Open Word. Join us next time as Pastor David continues teaching verse by verse through the book of 1 Corinthians. Thanks again for tuning in, and we hope that you have a blessed day.